Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Science from Wired. Lab-grown human brain tissue works in rats. Tiny cell clusters called organoids integrated with the animal's own tissue, a step toward developing sophisticated mini-models of the brain. By Emily Mullen. The tiny blobs of lab-grown human brain tissue were just specks, each measuring a few millimeters in diameter. Researchers at Stanford University made them by cultivating human stem cells into three-dimensional clumps of tissue. Called brain organoids, these simplified structures contain some of the cells and properties of a real human brain, offering insight into development and neurological conditions. But they're not nearly as complex as the real thing, so to boost their realism, researchers elsewhere have tried transplanting human organoids into the brains of rodents. In past experiments, those cells failed to integrate into the animal's brains. This time, it worked. The organoids formed connections with the animal's own brain circuits, a sign that these bundles of cells can develop more sophisticated features. The Stanford team transplanted these clusters of human cells into the somatosensory cortices of newborn rats, the area that processes sensory information, such as touch, across the body. Over several months, the organoids grew to occupy about one-third of the hemisphere of the rat brain. The research was published recently in the journal Nature. This definitely pushes forward what organoids can do in terms of their functional integration into the brain, says H. Isaac Chen, assistant professor of neurosurgery at the University of Pennsylvania who wasn't involved in the study. Chen and others had previously tried similar experiments in adult rodents, but those transplanted organoids didn't successfully mature. In the latest attempt, the Stanford scientists transplanted the organoids early in development, when the young rat's neuronal circuits weren't fully formed. The adult brain is much less plastic, meaning it's not able to change and form new connections as easily. The nervous system has a way of shutting down development, says Sergio Pasca, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Stanford and the corresponding author of the study, in a press briefing ahead of the paper's publication, We went in and we transplanted before the ability for cells to form connections had stopped. In a departure from previous studies, Pasca and his colleagues found that the transplanted human neurons grew nerve fibers that extended into the rat brain tissue and formed junctions called synapses between rat neurons. These connections don't exist in brain organoids grown in a dish, 
a major limitation that has driven scientists to transplant organoids into living animals. We know that the brain develops and works by receiving activity, either from endogenous networks or from the outside world through sensory stimulation of the tissue, says Paola Arlotta, a professor of stem cell and regenerative biology at Harvard University, who wasn't involved in the Stanford research. In a real brain, sensory stimulation is vital to forming neural pathways and promoting normal development. Not only did the organoids grow and integrate with the tissue, but they also revealed characteristics not previously seen in organoids grown in a dish. The Stanford researchers grew some of their organoids from cells taken from patients with Timothy syndrome, a severe genetic disease that often causes the same kind of neurodevelopmental delays seen in autism. When transplanted into rats, the organoids developed abnormal dendrites, the tree-like branches that extend from neurons and allow them to communicate with other cells. These defects hadn't been seen in earlier organoid experiments without animals. The authors also wanted to determine whether the organoids could influence a rat's behavior. They genetically engineered some of the transplanted neurons to be sensitive to stimulation with light, a technique called optogenics. The researchers then trained the mice to lick a spout for a reward, a drink of water, every time they delivered bursts of blue light to these neurons. Bursts of red light, used as a control, had no effect on their behavior. This showed that the transplanted human organoids in the rat's brains were functional and that they engaged with the rat's reward-seeking brain circuits. Though they mimic some brain structures and activity, brain organoids are still only a rough approximation of an actual human brain. For one, they're tiny, no bigger than a pea. They also lack some key cell types and the layered structure seen in the human cortex. But as organoids get more advanced, such animal experiments present an ethical conundrum about the blurring of humans and other species. One concern is whether adding human brain tissue affects the well-being of the animals. The Stanford researchers attempted to address this by running a battery of tests to compare the memory and anxiety level of animals that received the human brain organoids versus regular lab rats. They also looked for evidence of seizures and found no differences between the two groups. A 2021 report by the U.S. National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine raised other hypotheticals, including the possibility that human brain organoids could enhance animals' cognitive abilities or could cause the organoids or animals to develop human-like self-awareness and consciousness. The committee concluded that such experiments don't yet necessitate special oversight, but that new regulations may be needed if brain organoids become significantly more complex. Since researchers don't know where consciousness arises in the brain, there's no way to know if the integration of human tissue into an animal brain is a step in that direction. Pasca says he would draw a line at implanting human brain organoids into monkeys because of their similarity to humans. Rats are less similar, he says, because their cortices develop much faster than people's do. For now, he thinks there's a lot that researchers can glean from transplanting these organoids into rodents. One application would be to study neurodegenerative disorders that have an early onset in childhood, when the brain is still developing. That's the motivation for us to try to move some of these three-dimensional cultures and integrate them into living systems, Pasca says. Transplanted organoids could also be used to test drugs that could be used to treat neuropsychiatric diseases, or to see how genetic defects in organoids alter the behavior of animals. Another avenue of research would be to implant healthy organoids into rodents with brain injuries to see if the tissue is able to integrate with the damaged brain and possibly repair it, Chen says. 
Arlotta says organoids are still very primitive compared to actual human brain tissue. But the ones created in the Stanford study will allow researchers to study more complex properties of human cell circuits, neurons, and neural functions involved in neuropsychiatric diseases. If we want to really get to the bottom of what these diseases are and how they are caused by specific genetics, then we have to be able to look at more than just the cells. We need to be able to look at circuit-level properties, she says. There is so much to be gained here in understanding disease pathology and mechanisms, and that value must be considered in any sort of ethical consideration about the work. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.